KXNO. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Wednesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM as we talk sports with you for the next couple of hours. A ton to get to. What seemingly was going to be somewhat of a quiet night in sports exploded with the D'Antonio news out of Michigan State. A couple of blockbuster trades, one in Major League Baseball, one in the NBA that we'll spend no time talking about, but the baseball <laughs> trade we'll get around to. All all four, yes, every single one of our four in-state uh, Division One basketball teams on the floor tonight. Only one of them in our state, and that is Des Moines' team. Uh, Drake, who, don't look now, find themselves precariously close mm-hmm. <laughs> to the playing round. Uh, I thought those days were gone. Uh, I'd hope those days were gone, but mm, maybe not. It's uh, we, we will see. So we'll talk a lot about those four games. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list here today for the first time, and I'm looking so forward to this, uh, A, it means we're getting closer to March Madness when Shelby Mass, BracketWag.com, he's Gannett's Bracketologist, he's the USA Today's Bracketologist, He's KXNO's bracketologist. Uh, he will join us at 1025. Have you taken a look at his most recent bracket, by the way? I don't believe I've come across his. I've looked at a lot of them. Not sure if Shelby's was uh, one that I at least perused this week. I know I've looked at it recently, but I don't think his most updated one. Well, I did. I, I looked at it this morning, and, um, you know, as good as we think the Big Ten is, and we, well, I mean, it is good. Mm-hmm. And just another crazy night in the, last night. He doesn't have a Big Ten school in a one or a two seed. Well, which, and I get it. Who would you, you know, put there? That's that's fair. Um, I don't know. There's nobody. I, I, it's it's so close, but I just assumed as you know, we think it's the best of, uh, uh, conference in college basketball. The one of those four schools would find their place uh, at the on, on the one or the two side uh, line, rather, and they don't. The first one we see is Maryland uh, at the three, but then it gets very busy after that. Yes. Very crowded in the middle of that bracket. So Shelby Mass coming up for the first of uh, weekly conversations with him right through Selection Sunday, and uh, look forward to that. Kevin Lehman. Uh, sponsored by Washer Systems of Iowa. He talks college basketball with us. And we'll do today at 10.45 at about 11.15. Off we go to Chicago. He's the cap man. David Kaplan is working with Kyle Long this week. Retired Chicago Bear Kyle Long sitting in with uh, with Cappy. Lots of ground to cover with Cap. Uh, baseball with the Cubs and with Chris Bryant, etc., etc. And then uh, Bill Bender's going to join us. More on the Mark D'Antonio, who some reports, uh, there are some reports out there, Saying he was pushed out the door? Not a surprise. It's not. With the with the pending um, investigations, one of which opened up on Monday night, and I guess if is it? Um, oh God, the guy's name's escaping me. Uh, former Chicago Tribune columnist. Now he does sports talk in Chicago. Not Ted, Teddy Greenstein. No, not Teddy Greenstein. Anyways, regardless of his name, it'll come to me. I'm having a senior moment, folks. Um, he reported, because D'Antonio, I watched the press conference on the Big Ten Network last okay. night. And by the way, it, it, that Big Ten Network is so good for so many reasons, mm-hmm. right? But when you get something that seemingly just pops out out of the blue, and boom, they're on the scene and they're live and they're covering the press conferences and they rush Howard Griffin into the studio. And if you're a sports junkie, I just, um, 
I love that kind of stuff. And good they learned the out from the Joe Pa situation where they yes. did not go live. Right. BTN just was replaying old games yep. and absolutely nothing was being said as that was breaking all over the country. Mm-hmm. And the Big Ten Network did nothing there. They've learned from that, which is good to see. Absolutely. And they, they were live on the situ- uh, on, on the scene. Of course, Dave Refson did the game last night, so mm-hmm. it helped that he happened to be in East Lansing. But uh, hats off to the Big Ten Network for doing that. But, you know, the whole D'Antonio thing, Terrence, today is signing day. And, yes. and he re- resigns yesterday. Apparently he was pushed on Monday night. Some of the big backers, some of the big boosters just said, enough's enough. Uh, it's not going to get better before it gets worse because of all the – the stuff that's swirling out there, some of the shortcuts that he took, uh, some of the violations that apparently are going to see the light of day here uh, in the weeks to come. And this is a guy who received a uh, his most recent bonus for being as the head for remaining as head coach. Like within the last week, he was given a four point three million dollar mm-hmm. bonus, and this days later. Uh, he walks out the door. I don't think you have to be wearing a tinfoil hat to believe that there is something afoot here. You mentioned the what's ha- going to be handed down to him, what he's going to be going through in terms of violation, NCAA violations. There is a lot happening there where this is something where D'Antonio dug in his heels at the end of the season when Michigan State probably came to him and said, it's time to retire. Mm-hmm. We're not going to push you out the door, but the time is now. And he said, well, how about this? We will wait. I will take my bonus. I will go away. And I'll get my $4.5 million, and we will call it good, hands clean, walk away. Dan Bernstein just came to me. Oh, there you go. That's the one that at least makes the most sense. I don't think that's a crazy scenario. That's not you know, any kind of – it's pretty simple. Mm -hmm. Give the guy his money, he'll go do his thing, and off he goes. Yeah, um – but so, what does this do for for Michigan State? They don't have a head coach. They're and look. Most of the kids signed in the early signing period. This would be so much different if this was just a Absolutely. couple of years ago. Completely different circumstances, right. right? And it either would happen after signing day. This right. would have happened next week. No, it would have happened after signing day, right? Or it would have happened earlier, maybe even the day after that bonus was given out a couple of weeks ago. There uh-huh. would have been at least a little bit of lead time for that to happen. But because of the change in the calendar and recruiting, most of the guys, I think. I think I heard Tom Caker say 85% of the uh, of the football the now? Wow. kids now sign in the December signing period. So with that, you're talking about 15% of the kids across mm-hmm. college football. And in most of the big schools, pretty much everyone's locked up. Yeah. You remember what a day this was and how crazy oh, it was? And remember ESPNU it broke rivals, all day long. Trent. You remember that? Yes. It, it broke rivals. The, every oh, single I don't know how many year. years ago it was. Well, it seemed like every year. Yeah, it, it did. It'd be down for a while at the very mm-hmm. least. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be able to get on, and it right. would be absolutely crazy as the servers would crash and everybody be looking for the latest recruiting information and now. And to be fair, Rivals at the time was one of the really go-to destinations, right? If you wanted mm-hmm. recruiting news, and they're still very good, don't get me wrong, uh, and probably still remain the leader, although 24-7 sports has cut into mm-hmm. it, ESPN. Um, it, it's it's such a big uh, click and money gener- generator now that everybody's doing it, but boy, there was a time that uh, the Rivals, you, you had to go to HawkeyeReport.com, or you had to go to uh, Cyclone uh, Report com if you wanted the information on the two locals. So, and then Bill Bender's going to join us as we talked about. Bill, we'll get into D'Antonio, some other uh, college football topics that are percolating out there. So, where do you put Michigan State's job? I, I, apparently, Matt Campbell came out and, and uh, denied interest in it. Mm-hmm. I, I had no idea he was even. I mean, Luke Fickle makes so much sense, right? Or Narduzzi at Pitt because he was on that staff. But apparently, Matt Campbell makes sense though too. He's from that area. From the area, but where's Michigan State, though? I mean, they're behind Ohio State. No doubt. They're behind Michigan. Yes. They're behind Penn State. Right. 
then fourth in that, in that, in that, in that division, division? Yeah. How about nationally? It's a top 20 Ooh, job? I don't know. Really? Top 25? Maybe top 30? 30. I'll go with you 30. Pretty much most of the SEC, at least 10 teams at the very least, just uh-huh. say that on the surface, 10 team, 10 programs you'd rather have than the Michigan State job. I think the Wisconsin job right now is a yes, better job. I do too. There's not a Wisconsin State that you have to deal with, a lot closer right. proximity to Chicago, and that uh, slew of recruits that they get, you put that up there. That's. I mean, is the Nebraska job better? Well, I would say yes. You would? I mean, not now, necessarily, but... Right now, you, you have two job offers on the table. Michigan State and Nebraska. What do you take? in Nebraska. Why? Because Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan aren't moving. You're going to be fourth at best. Look, Nebraska stinks. But they're not. Michigan State has been to the college football 2015. Playoff. Caught lightning in a bottle. Michigan State has won, what, four Big Ten titles mm-hmm. over the last decade? Mm, have there been that many? Nebraska hasn't won a conference it's, it's, title in two I decades. I get it. It's been a long time. I'm not saying Nebraska. If, but if I had to take, if I had to buy on the come, I would take Nebraska before I take Michigan because I think Nebraska can win the West easier than Michigan State can climb to the top of the East again because Penn State's back and Indiana's back. Indiana, <laughs> not back. Indi- Indiana's better They're for better. sure. Yes, Penn State's not going anywhere. You wouldn't think so, no. Ryan Day's got this. They had they didn't miss a beat, and a lot of people did when when Urban Meyer decided to, you know, he beat the posse out the door, perhaps. But I mean, they're the fourth best team in the East. Pecking order wise, I don't know. Splitting hairs. You yeah. take Michigan State. I'll take Nebraska. We'll we'll see in five years. And right. neither of us would win much. No, I don't think we will. <laughs> I don't think we will. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I was surprised that Randy Peterson uh, just put out a piece on um, on Matt Campbell, and the, there's no interest there. And I mean, I didn't even see his name associated with it. I saw a few national names have it. I think Barrett Salee from CBS. He yeah. had him listed third because the two that make the most sense is Narduzzi. Yeah former defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and Luke Fickle. Those are the connections that make the most sense. And I saw a lot of people had Matt Campbell third there just because of Did his they? Ohio ties. Yeah. At Michigan State, that's somewhere you have to recruit incredibly well to be able to compete. But Michigan is different. You can talk about Harbaugh has not got them to the level many people mm-hmm. anticipated, but they've jumped back above Michigan State. Penn State, think about during that run that D'Antonio had, how good. They were compared to Penn State, mm-hmm. who was going through all kinds of right. things from Joe Pa and, and everything off the field. So there was a lot going on. Ohio State had their own set of issues, and now, I don't know. Those, I, issue, I don't know. those issues have cropped up in East Lansing. Right. Well, that, that's another point. Mm-hmm. And, and that's going to be part of the conversation about D'Antonio and his era is how bad it was. I mean, you remember Chris Rucker yes. getting out of jail, yes. making his way to Iowa City? Uh-huh. He served a suspension while he was in jail. Right. Gets out on Thursday. He's playing Saturday. Yeah. Uh, D'Antonio's not a real friendly dude. You know, he's not one of those guys you can wrap your arms around. Not a cuddly bear. No, he's really not. I mean, he was... He had an maybe he's always got the attitude. I mean, we we see him at the Big Ten media days. And we hear him or used to hear him on the teleconferences, and he's he does have an attitude about him. And the press conference yesterday was all me, me, me. Yeah, it was. It was all me, me, me. Didn't want to talk about some of the stuff that's uh, that's going on out there. Well, what changed between you know at the end of the season when you said you're definitely going to be back and today when you decided to go? Well, you didn't want to answer that question. You know, today's about the celebration. Well, no, okay, maybe in your house you just got paid. Right. Uh, but um, anyways, lots of, lots of other things to get to. We'll get to the four basketball games coming up tonight. They're just trying to the Big Ten. I mean, mm-hmm. Watching it last night, 
Um, I can't get enough of it. I really and truly can't. And I don't know if there's a a team that can legitimately cut down the nets in March. I don't know if that if that exists. Shelby Mass says that uh, there isn't. Um, you know, that you can't win from the three seed, right. or that you can't get uh, move up uh, higher than the three. But I, I don't know. It's just I, I, where are you on Michigan State today? Are they still the best team in the Big Ten? I think you still have to put them up. I there. left them there, but grudgingly. Right, Penn State. They've won five in a row uh-huh. now, and that victory. I told you right at the end of the show, our short show yesterday. Yes, I like Penn State just the way that they're playing, and that's a team that has a ton of talent. Mm-hmm. And finally, putting it all yeah. together with Pat Chambers and company, but. Yeah, I think Michigan State still has to be number one. I mean, who else would you put up there? Is it Maryland? Well, Very talented no, because team. they have to play on the road. They don't get to play all their games. Well, that's at everybody. Home. I mean, Rutgers. But at least Maryland's. I mean, most of the teams have won a game on the road. Maryland, I don't think has or hadn't, uh, and hadn't lost at home. You know, back to the Michigan State Penn State game for a second yesterday. Yeah. So I know you had a high school game, and you probably didn't see this. So the end of the first half, right? Um, Michigan scored. Winston took it the length of the floor, I think, to cut it. Or somebody scored to cut it to eight points. Trent, there was 0.04 seconds left on the clock. All right. So Michigan scores with three seconds left. Four seconds left in the half. Now, the, but the clock doesn't stop, right? The ball's out of mm-hmm. bounds. And it looked as though one of the Michigan State players kind of, you know, helped the ball out of ah, bounds. Ah, yes, yes. And Chambers said to the um, one of the officials, warn him. Warn him yeah. for delay of the game. Mm-hmm. And he got teed up. No. Yes. With less than a half a second left in the first half. Wow. So you're going in the locker room up eight. Now you're going in the locker room up six. And momentum's clearly on Sparty's side. And they would that would propel them into coming back and taking the lead. And that, no, hats off to Michigan State. Or to uh, Penn State, rather. Stevens was out of his mind in the basketball game. Jones was terrific. And we can say this about so many teams in this conference. It's night in and night out. Who knows what's going to happen today? How do you bet this conference? I know you were on the winning end last night. Yes. But how do you bet this conference? If you see a point spread too big, you grab it. That's I what guess. I did with Penn State last night. What and then, was the number? What did it go off at? Eight and a half. Jesus. Yeah. And that money line, I did take a peek. Didn't, didn't fire at it, but it was uh-huh. plus 375. And I had a long... Long look at the app uh, for Williamville yesterday, looking at that one, didn't tra- pull, pull the trigger on it. But it's, you know, it was really easy the first couple of weeks after they got going again in January. Just take the home teams. Yeah. Now, A, the point spreads have kind of figured that out a little bit here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see that in the, the Iowa-Purdue game tonight. The yeah, advanced Purdue's analytics. Purdue's favored, right? They are. And they basically put this as a one-point game. Uh-huh. That's what it says. But you see the point spreads at three and a half. Just because that home court uh-huh. advantage is so important in a coin flip game and a one point game, yeah, it certainly take Purdue. But now, when you have to lay that extra three and a half, at least you think about it a little bit more, and you're seeing that catch up more mm-hmm. and more. To your Maryland point, they have won two road games this year. Have they? They won that game you watched on Sunday. Oh yeah, a they did. Weeks ago, yeah, they did. I was on the plane watching. Yep, it. against Indiana, yeah. they also beat Northwestern, and they were down big in season. that game. Yeah, no, that's the were. reason. I still this Rutgers team. Played well last night, was watching a replay of that mm-hmm. last evening, and, and they got out to a really good start, but that's a team that still has a one on the road. And as good as they are at home, uh-huh. you have to do something. And it, and it may be as simple as beating a Nebraska or Northwestern on the road, but you have to do something because I don't know if you've looked ahead at the NCAA tournament sites. They're not going to the rack for the first couple rounds <laughs> no. of the NCAA yeah. tournament. Yeah, and they're selling out there. Um 
Yeah, unbelievable. All right, so let's do this real quick on this. Uh, the baseball trade from last night, I want to bring it up just because it involves one of the locals, and that's the Twins. Did you like the move? I mean, the the, the Twins get a three, right, in mm-hmm. Maeda, mm-hmm. who's not only can he start, but he's good out of the bullpen if they, you know, if they want him to do those type of things. That's where he spent October the last couple of months, and he's been terrific. Uh, the Twins needed pitching. They gave up a ton, though, Trent. Oh, they gave up a ton of potential. No doubt, yes. And that starts with Bruce Dargatterall, a guy that came up late last season. He, I mean, you talk about flying through the system. He was injured the year previous. And he's, what, 21 or 20 years old? Yeah, he's, he's really young. He's really young. Threw an inning against the Yankees, a scoreless inning in the playoffs, but he threw 104 miles an hour. And that mm. went from... Guy working his way back off of injury in 2018. He's out there as a starter, but they're very much limiting his minutes, and they made the decision, you know what, we don't want him to throw more than 100 here. Let's move him to the bullpen. They move him to the bullpen down at double A. He throws 104. Mm-hmm. Whoa, we got some yeah. smoke here. Right. That changes the plans, and then he quickly moved up to the major league team in September. He's a guy with a ton of upside because of that power arm, but there are many people that will that believe he's never going to be a starter. That he's not built for that. Well, he's 6'1", 265, 270 pounds, and he's 20 years old. He's thick. Thick, yes. (laughs) He is a big, big man. Mm -hmm. But because of that, I understand the upside that is there. And you think about a starter that can throw like that. But I'm with uh, you on those innings. I don't know. How how the Twins have just, they've been looking for this kind of guy. Barrios has been good. Mm -hmm. Now they got a couple other younger guys than Gratterall that they're very excited about that have a lot of upside like him. But still, can he stick? Can he be a guy that you put at the top of the rotation and throw 180 to 200 innings? There's many scouts that believe that he can't do that. That's not who he is. If that's the case, even if he turns into a great closer, the window's open now. That's just it, Trent. You hit the nail on the head. That's and the salient point. I'm not overly excited about Kent Maeda. This is a guy that is bounced back and forth between the bullpen and uh, being a starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. He's above league average. He yep. is a number three. He's got playoff experience. His mm-hmm. playoff numbers have been very good throughout his career. But when that window is open, you know, you're going out there and you're rolling out Homer Bailey in a playoff game, or you're rolling out Kenta Maeda. Well, that tips the skills Maeda, a little bit yeah. more. Yeah. And that's kind of, I think, the direction that they're looking so here. So Barrios, Odorizzi, mm-hmm. Maeda. And then, well, th- that's where it gets hairy. Because right now it's Homer Bailey and then probably yeah. Lewis Thorpe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because they where's, have. Where's Pineda back? I think the end of May, I think he has like 37 games okay. still left on that suspension, something like that. Late May, early June, I don't know exactly how mm-hmm. the calendar is going to sit there. And then they're waiting for Rich Hill, who is coming off an injury himself. They're hoping June, July, maybe it's up to August that they'll get him back and out there. There, You could cobble it together. There's still plenty of young arms. You know, We talked about the story Dubnik last year, what we saw out of yes, him. Yes, yes, uh, yes, Lewis yes, Thorpe yes. is the guy, I think, yeah. with, the, with the most ups, upside out of those young pitchers at this point. But... I don't think it's a big blow. Gratterall, because he threw 104, people just go crazy for that because 104 miles right. an hour. And would the Red Sox have, made, have pulled the trigger? I mean, they saw him do that against the Yankees. If he does that against the Royals or the Tigers, they, are they that excited to get him? I mean, when they see him doing that against the Yankees, right, maybe that uh, uh, tips the scales a little bit. I don't know. But you're right. He throws triple digits. And that is always but going to get those open now, Trent. Dodgers. Oh, good God. What's their payroll? It's under the payroll tax. How? Well, they moved Jock Peterson. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did they do? They made some moves that somehow they're able to just get under the payroll tax. That's crazy. Oh, um, 
the Red Sox are picking up a significant chunk of David Price. Okay, that'll so help. So that certainly helps. Yep. Um, but Mookie Betts, who's he's a year away from from making from breaking the bank. I think he's a year away. But yes. look at look at this. How do you beat this team now? Right? How do you beat them? Playoff baseball. I guess it's a different way of doing who's the, things. Who's the Who's the uh, opening day starter for the Dodgers? Still Clayton Kershaw. Do you think? Probably based on is that kind of uh, he just gets yeah, it because he's the veteran, so. he's the guy, he's the mm-hmm. one that'll go out there and and be at the top of it. Here's uh, thirty one million. Take Walter Bueller. That's Fulton. what that's what Betts is making this year. That's 31? what Clayton Ker- Kershaw is making. Wow. Kenley Jansen eighteen million. Justin Tur- Justin Turner makes twenty million dollars. Mm-hmm. AJ Pollock at fifteen. Uh, Bellinger is only eleven point five. And Lux is cheap. Yes. Uh, Seager still cheap. He still got mm-hmm. another year after this year of arbitration before he's a free agent. So, yeah, you kind of look through here. They are set up pretty well. Yeah, a lot of young dudes on that team. A lot of young guys can play. All right, Shelby Mass is going to join us next. We will talk to our bracket guy. Bracketwag.com is where you can see all of Shelby's work. Very nice of him to include KXNO's logo, logo rather, on uh, on his website, bracketwag.com. He will join us each and uh, every week as we inch our way closer. Not that we're wishing the time away. No. This is so good. Uh, but Shelby Mass will join us then. Kevin Lehman this hour. Cappy at 11.15, Bill Bender on college football at 11.35. Right now, it's time to pay your bills with iHeartRadio, 1460 KXNO, along with 106.3 FM. Text the keyword SUPER to 200-200 right now. That's your chance to win $1,000. SUPER! to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. USA Today's bracketologist Shelby Mass joins Trent and I when we continue on 1460 KXNO and now on 106. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 F- Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM. And now for the first time of many weeks. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Shelby Mass, Bracket Wag, he's USA Today's Gannett's Bracketologist. He's KXNO's Least 10 to Noon's Bracketologist. We're grateful for it. Shelby, good to talk to you again. Trent and Ken in Des Moines. How you been, Shelby Mass? I'm hanging in there. How are you guys? Doing well and, and trying to figure out this whole Big Ten conundrum. It's so good. <laughs> uh, I open up your uh, your latest bracket. You update it every single day, usually before 6 a.m. Central. We get all the night's results in there and, and adjust accordingly. Uh, and the thing that jumps out is as good as I think the Big Ten is, Shelby, it's just that everybody's beating the crap out of everybody. You don't find your first Big Ten team in your bracket until the three line. Obviously, a lot can change, but such a good conference, Shelby. Yeah, that's the, that's the problem with having such a deep conference is they cannibalize each other. And you, know, you get some good wins, and you, but you get a lot of losses as well which means you're not going to have a team probably on the one or two line. I think Maryland's a good fit on the three line. I've, I've heard that a lot of people are really, really high on Michigan State, and no doubt they're a good team, but they're 16-7, and seven, and to me that doesn't scream top three seed. I've got them on the five line, and I'm fairly comfortable with that. You know, it's so crazy when you're going through really 12 teams 
fighting to get into position. Michigan and Ohio State back in November and early December looked as good as anybody in college basketball. Watching those two teams last night, certainly a dip in both of their plays for varying reasons, injuries, DJ Carton stepping away for basketball for a while. Definitely pieces of that that has happened for both those squads. But as you look at those two teams, still, how much upside, because of what they did in the non-conference, do you see for the Buckeyes and the Wolverines? Yeah, I think the upside is still there. They still have potential to do things in the tournament as long as they get there. Michigan's the one that worries me about not getting there. They've, mm-hmm. you know, their non-conference was pretty good. Uh, conference has not been that good for them. Uh, and if they take enough losses, they're going to be sweating come Selection Sunday. Uh, let's talk about uh, what we're seeing out west. And that's Gonzaga and that's San Diego State, both of these schools. And both on the one line, at least for now, most likely to fall off of those two would be whom? I think Gonzaga because their conference, they've got St. Mary's and BYU, who are a couple of pretty salty teams, and it's not going to be easy wins against those teams. Uh, San Diego State, I think their toughest competition is Utah State, and they've already beat them twice. So unless they just fall apart, I expect them to still be there. I could see them taking a loss, and it better be to a decent team on the road and remaining on the one line just because they had a pretty solid non-conference. Gonzaga did as well, but not as solid as San Diego State. Uh, I'll be surprised if both land on the one line where our issue is with this. Most years, you're sending an East Coast team out west. This year, you might be sending a West Coast team east, Mm. and that just hadn't happened in a long time. Yeah, going to be interesting to see how that plays out. San Diego State still the remaining undefeated at 23-0. and You know, as you dig a little bit deeper, full disclosure for people that haven't heard Shelby with this before, you are a Duke fan, a Texan that's a Duke fan. Oh, we'll figure that out another day, Shelby. But the Dukey sit on the two line. It has been uneven at times. That loss to Stephen F. Austin certainly still lingering out there and a loss to a sub-100 Ken Palm team. But when you look at the resume and you look maybe more importantly at this team, a win last night on the road at Boston College, what are you seeing out of Duke? I, I'm not overly impressed. I Yes, I am a Duke fan. I wholeheartedly admit that. But I try to judge them just like I judge everybody else. And I, to me, this isn't a Duke team that I, I would strike fear in someone come March. Uh, that Stephen F. Austin loss, that was a bad loss. But Stephen F. Austin is a pretty good team. And they did outplay Duke. Duke came into that game, to me, looking like they had it won and didn't have to worry about anything. And then when they figured out they did, it was too late. Um, I, I, They're not going to be a one seed, I don't think. They're close for me, but I think they're close for everybody just due to lack of other options. I don't feel that this team in most years is worthy of a two seed. I'm more comfortable on the three or four line with them, but you, you know this year there's just not any dominant teams. The top four seeds for me, I think, are pretty set. I think everybody pretty much has those, but I don't. Duke to me, I don't think can get to that one line. Plus, there's a weaker ACC. Uh, you know, you mentioned there's no uh, and there's a lack of a dominant team this year. It's great for basketball, but what what but what about for you know bracketologists such as yourself, Shelby? Is it going to make it maybe the middle of the bracket from four to uh, say nine? Is it going to make it more difficult to get those seeds accurately because seemingly the parity in college basketball that's where it would lie? Yeah, I think so. I, I think the the top four lines. I'm somewhat comfortable where I have teams seated right now, but once you start you know, dropping on down into the, the, the 6, 7, 8, 9 range, 
there's a lot of teams in there that are interchangeable, a lot of teams that have some good wins, and a lot of teams that have some really stinker losses that will come back to haunt them. Uh, Kentucky, for example, they, they look like a really good team, but they've got that home loss early in the season to Evansville, who a lot of people back then thought, you know, hey, this is a pretty good team, and they turned out to be just not that good of a team. And so that's going to haunt Kentucky come Selection Sunday as far as seed-wise. But, uh, yeah, there's just there's a lot of things. And the Big Ten, I think, is a big cause of that. They, they've kind of got a log jam in the middle there. Uh, good for them. But it, it, it makes trying to place these teams a little more difficult than in past years, I think. Into the second year of the net, the new ranking system used on the men's side for the NCAA moving away from the certainly antiquated RPI system that was more than anything just schedule-based. As you got a year to see the way that the NCAA selection committee used the net, getting more familiar with it, is it is it getting easier? Are you figuring out a little bit more in the way that that's going to be weighed come Selection Sunday? Yeah, I think the, and the NCAA, the committee will tell you this, it's basically a sorting tool. Just because you're ranked number one in the net doesn't mean you're the top team. Uh, it, it means that every factor that goes into figuring this out puts you there. Um, the, the thing that gets me about the net that bugs me, I'd say, is they tell you that victories are capped at 10 points. But I have followed this and others have as well. When a team beats somebody by 30 or 35 points, they get a big boost in where they're ranked in the net. So I'm not officially sold on that being accurate. But as long as they just use it as a sorting tool and go in and look and see who did you play, where did you play them, how did you do, then then that'll be fine. You can use any tool you want, and I think it'll end up being okay. Uh, your ranking does not matter. I get a lot of people saying, well, hey, my team's ranked wherever. Why aren't they seated higher? Well, where your rank has no bearing on that. And a good example is North Carolina State last year. They were ranked 32, which should be a pretty safe spot, and they didn't get in because – they didn't play really anybody any good. They beat a lot of really bad teams by a wide margin, and that doesn't impress the committee. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about Northern Iowa, who has a um, I don't know, it's not a significant lead. They're up a game, but they look as though they're the best team in the Missouri Valley Conference. Nineteen and three overall, eight and two in conference play. Shelby, let's say they get through the rest of the conference unbeaten, and they get to Championship Sunday in, in St. Louis. But they get picked off, and I don't know, maybe it's Loyola or Southern or whomever. Is there a chance, if that scenario plays out, is there a chance the Valley would get two teams? It would seemingly be, you know, an unfitting punishment to keep the Panthers out if they get to that point and only fall on Championship Sunday. I know the West Virginia loss is going to hurt them because it seemingly was in the bag for mm-hmm. them before they blew it late. But what about the Panthers' chances of an at large bid? If in that scenario, if they went out and get to the tournament finals, I will be shocked if they're not in the tournament. Northern Iowa and East Tennessee State of the, the conferences, you know, don't include Gonzaga and San Diego State. Those are the two that I'm really keeping an eye on for at-large chances. I think both of them have legitimate arguments to be in the tournament. Um, Northern Iowa has played a a pretty solid non-conference. It's ranked 89 out of 353, and that is a that's a pretty good number for a, a mid-major because it's hard for them to get those games against the upper echelon teams. They've got the win at Colorado, which I think is going to be huge for them. Colorado is turning out to be a pretty good team, so I I think they could absorb even a regular season in-conference loss as long as it's a road loss to a decent enough team. 
I, I think they would have a chance to get in. Let's jump to the Big 12. Kansas, the number one team in the AP poll. Kansas, number one at Ken Pomeroy. West Virginia, very good in Texas Tech. Here over the last week and a half, they certainly bolstered their resume after it looked pretty thin here a week and a half ago and looking better. After those four, though, who else are you confident in that can that even get into the tournament? TCU, Oklahoma, Texas, still work to do out of those teams. Could it very well be a four-bid lead uh, league out of the Big 12 this year? Yeah, it very well could be. Oklahoma's probably the next best option, and I'm not sold on them. I think mm. the top four teams are, are pretty solid and will be in uh, possibly two one seeds. But it's it's a, it's a good top-heavy conference, but that seems to hurt the, everybody else this year because I, I don't have faith in Texas. I don't have uh, Texas Tech is like you said coming up in the last couple of weeks. I'm still not sold on them being in for sure, um, but I don't see anybody else. Uh, anybody else I'm pretty confident would have to win the tournament. Uh, Fran McCaffrey's team, the Hawkeyes, uh, I think exceeded most people's in the state expectations. Uh, you have them right now as a six. What's the ceiling for, for Iowa in a tough uh, Big Ten where, again, Maryland is uh, is your highest-ranked uh, Big Ten team, and they're on the three line, but then there's a whole bunch of them after that. What's the best-case scenario for Iowa would be what? Uh, unrealistically, they could get to the three line if they went out. That's, I don't see that happening this year with this conference as deep as it is. Uh, keep doing what they're doing and let other teams in their general seed area beat each other up. I, I could see them possibly getting to the four line. And I don't, you know, people may kind of turn their nose up at that, but look at it realistically. They're going to lose some more games yeah. because it's a deep conference. Don't expect them to win every single one. It's just not going to happen. Uh, but they, are, they have exceeded my expectations as well. Uh, they, they turned out to be a really, really nice team. Uh, and I, I expect them to be somewhere between four and seven, and that might be pretty good for what they want. Four to seven seed, a run to the Sweet 16. How about as you look at, I know a lot of Hawkeye fans looking forward, see two locations very close, Omaha and St. Louis. I know they try to protect the top four seeds, but when you're talking about 16 teams and trying to get them all close, that's incredibly difficult, is it? Really the top three seeds that kind of get that billing and have the opportunity to stay close to home for the first two rounds? And pretty much. It, it depends on the locations. And luckily this year we've got some, some more West Coast teams, or more than usual, that can take those West Coast pods. The San Diego State, Gonzaga, and Oregon. And if Arizona can slide up in there, then the West is taken care of as far as pods go. But the way it usually works is the top one or two lines, they absolutely get preferred locations. Seeds three and four just take what's left, and if there's some good ones for the three seeds, then the fours, you usually have at least one or two teams from the east or the midwest that are heading out west. Uh, last thing for me, Shelby, you've got this in uh, this uh, Iowa State's in this category along with K-State, Ole Miss, North Carolina, Washington State, so some good company, but you've got all of those schools on life support and then in parentheses, but probably dead, uh, and that's where the Cyclones find themselves. Uh, they're they're going to have to win the Big 12 tournament. There's no yeah, doubt. I, I'm hesitant to put them all the way dead just because there's some good teams remaining on their uh, schedule. But I, it, realistically, I think they're probably done. Great stuff, Shelby Mass. Look forward to doing this uh, with you on a weekly basis as we uh, move towards Selection Sunday. You can read Shelby's stuff at bracketwag.com. He's, in, uh, he's Gannett's Bracketologist, USA Today, uh, etc. Thank you, Shelby. Appreciate it. Glad to do it, guys. Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, good to talk to you. Shelby Mast joining us for the first of a uh, number of times.
Speaking of college sports, we have breaking news. What have you got? Into the KXNO studios. Iowa has signed a punter. <laughs> Where from? A grad transfer? No, not a grad wow. transfer. Somebody with four years of eligibility. He's from Australia. Love it. Boy, those dudes are... T- How old is he? 22. He's 22 and he'll be a freshman at 22 or 23. Do yeah. we know? Well, not, not, not sure exactly right. the, the date of birth there, but That's we got great. an old dude making his way from down under Tory Taylor. Love it. Punter at the University of Iowa. They got the the transfer, the kid that was a walkout at North Dakota State. They kind of wondered about him. Mm-hmm. This is something that has been percolating for a while. You've been hearing a lot. Trent, Australian taking over the game. Yes, there's no doubt. Both in college and then they matriculate, since it's Chiefs Parade Day, uh, to, to the NFL. We'll take a timeout. Uh, Kevin Lehman will join us next. We'll go around college basketball, certainly the four locals, uh, with Kevin. Find out what game, if he's got a game tonight. I assume that he would. He's off until the weekend, actually. Is he? Yeah. Uh, did you see that uh, Drake UNI is ESPN3? Oh, really? Yes. You still get that? No, I don't. I can't figure it out. Anyways, we'll take a timeout. I was on, my wife was on, I wasn't. Cindy was on with DirecTV trying to figure out our password and, and our logins. Yes. For over an hour. Ugh. Because they merged with AT&T and it made it worse. Yes, it does. Now we're 60. We're north of 60. And I'm sure that has something to do with it. It's just frustrating. Uh, Kevin Lehman next. Uh, Cappy at 11.15. Bill Bender at 11.35. Trent and I until noon. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and O&O on 10s. Can solve hunger. A good bump there, Trent Condon. What well is done. it about old TV theme music? I love this. Just... Doesn't it bring back great memories? It does. When you hear it, you know exactly what it is, right? right. Uh, let's get Kevin Lehman in here. We're about to hear him opine on college basketball. Kevin Trented Can, Washer Systems of Iowa, presents all of our Missouri Valley Conference coverage this basketball season. Good to talk with you, Kevin Lehman. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good, guys. I got a week off. I'm getting ready for the Drake as they enter McLeod Center on Saturday. But a couple big games tonight on hand for both the Bulldogs and the Panthers. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, let's start with Drake. They're at home tonight. Uh, Des Moines team, hometown team, is at home at the Knapp Center. Kevin, as I look at the standings today, as, as great as the story that's being written over there and what DeVries did last year and the start they were off to this year, um, they're precariously close to that play-in game on Thursday night, and I thought that that was you know, a thing of the past uh, with, with the Bulldogs. Not saying that that's where they're going to finish, but you mentioned a big game tonight. Uh, they've lost two in a row now. They're you know right down there in sixth place. Seven through ten gets you a, a ticket to Thursday night in St. Louis when nobody's in the building and nobody cares. Uh, and it just seems like, uh, boy, a uh, big spot tonight. Be nice if they can pick off Bradley and maybe move a step closer to avoiding Thursday. Well, Ken, you know, they ran off 15 in a row at the Napston before they got bumped for the other day. I look from the win this game and Bradley's not the same team, especially in their half court without Eliza Childs. I've had them a number of times. And if you can take away their transition basket and control Daryl Brown, they've got problems scoring in the half court. 
Yeah, it's uh, interesting taking a look at the the Valley as a whole. You know, a team we've talked about a little bit here in the last recent weeks is Southern Illinois. They continue mm-hmm. to jump up there. Yep. We talked about their connections in the AAU circuit, maybe that program growing forward. But uh, Southern Illinois coming into the Knapp Center, winning that game, really impressive. You talked about the win streak ended that they had going into it there. SIU continues to move up the pecking order. Well, they do, and I, it makes that loss that Northern Iowa at, at Carbondale look even better. And here's what I like about tonight's games in the Valley, Trent and Ken. The four teams at the top, the Panthers, Loyola, Southern, and Bradley are all on the road. So mm-hmm. they can either create some separation with wins or this thing's going to get more congested after tonight if that home teams can hold serve. Well, let's go to the Panthers. And Fife is just on an unbelievable tear. He hasn't missed a shot in his Kevin. He hasn't missed a shot in his last two games. Think about that. It's crazy, but that's where we find ourselves. Uh, but to Northern Iowa in, in, in general, who do you still think is the you know who are they going to have to outfinish in order to to win the Valley? Well, they've got four road games that are huge. And to me, Loyola is the team to watch out for. Okay. But tonight's very dangerous, Ken, because as Valpo, remember Valpo had him down 10 right before half, before uh, uh, they got some big points off the bench in that game. I think it was Haldeman that hit back-to-back threes, yep. Back-to-back threes off that bad ankle. That's when Ben Jenkins said he hurt his ankle, not his arm. It's (laughs) knocked in those triples. But this is a dangerous team because they have so much in the backcourt, Valparaiso does with Javon Freeman Liberty and Daniel Sackian. They put on a show, Freeman Liberty and A.J. Green in that game in the McLeod. So this is a very dangerous game for the Panthers. But they've got to win. You know, We're talking about them being talked about as that large team. If they don't win the Missouri Valley Tournament, mm-hmm. they can't trip up at Valpo. They cannot trip up at Drake at the end of the season. They can maybe lose one at Loyola or their other one that they've got to go to at Indiana State, but they can't lose two. Also, they're going to be you know, a bubble team, maybe an outside look at in. You know, we talk about you and I, and it's A.J. Green and Trey Burhau from the outside. Mentioned inside what they've been able to do with Fife. But a guy off the bench, Antoine Kimmins, a kid from mm. Tartan, who has been a great, great place for Panthers throughout the years. Going back to Eric Coleman, Eric Crawford, I mean, on and on and on. Kajoa Helba, these guys all coming down from Tartan. He is incredibly fast. It's been inconsistent at times, but what do you see for him minutes the rest of the way? Well, you talked to Ben Jenkins before a game. He says, I'm going to get him in early. He had a great game against Loyola. Uh, and the speed in the backward of Valpo, this will be a good test to use Kimmins. And throw in Mark Sonnen. He's also part of that Tartan connection. He's on the bench as the video coordinator for the Panthers. I think they had five guys wow. from that high school at Northern Iowa. You look at Northern Iowa's roster, guys. Everyone's from either Minnesota or Iowa, except Isaiah Brown. They recruit within the circle and do a great job of it. Hmm. What's the what's the Achilles heel for Northern Iowa, Kevin? How do you how do you pick off the Panthers? The Panthers uh, are going to get beat if what happens on any given night. If they turn the ball over ten more than fifteen times, mm-hmm. they're lost at uh, Southern Illinois. They had sixteen turnovers, and when Loyola came back. The McLeod Center got that to overtime, 19 turnovers. They're playing at a faster pace, but A.J. Green gets a little loose with the basketball. You know, it's Easter family with A.J. Green, and that sometimes he kicks it around a little bit. They can't do that tonight. And, you know, I'm doing the, the numbers, and I know Trent loves this too. 
I'm looking at last year. The last team that got in as that large was Belmont with a 47 net. The Panthers are hovering around that 42-43 net line. So if they have a bad loss mm-hmm. uh, here in the next eight games, they're going to be right there where Belmont was and maybe outside looking in. And that'd be unfortunate. They could be 25-5 and five Crazy. and not be in the dance. So would you rather see Minnesota play the state <laughs> tournament or the Panthers? It's an easy decision for us. Yeah, it's you it and is. I. Yeah, and I like the Gophers, but yeah, give me the Panthers. Yes, no doubt about it. Hey, uh, let's go to Iowa City as Iowa gets ready for Purdue tonight. Before that, though, the end of the game scenario with Iowa and Illinois over the weekend. You as a college coach back in the day, I'm sure you heard some things in the handshake line. Fran taking his team away. He's done this before. Your takeaway, getting the guys out of there before the handshake line. First of all, an assistant coach should keep his mouth yep, shut. Yes, for sure. Coach should tell him to keep his mouth yep. shut. Uh, but I think the handshake line, Trent and Ken, is obsolete. They should do away with it. Uh, you know, you might have a buddy on the team that you played in high school with or AU. Meet him at half court and talk to him. Yeah. But you know, this, this handshake line is uh, the kids are doing it because they're told to. There's not a lot of passionate or sportsmanship. With social media and what we hear from the fan base during a game. To ask those kids to shake hands afterwards, it just doesn't work in this day and age. Hmm. How would they do away with that? I mean, uh, take us through the process to because I know there's a lot of people that feel exactly the same way you do, Kevin. That it's just uh, it, it's uh, it's an incident waiting to happen a lot of times. But how does that? How do we get to that point where we're not going to see that at the end of the game anymore? I think the game ends, and uh, you know. The, Coaches like Fran has done it. He did it the Iowa State game a year ago. Yeah. He just took his team off the court and said, we're not going to get involved in this because of an incident that could happen. You know, look what we've seen in the games. Kansas State at Kansas. Mm-hmm. That melee that went on a couple weeks ago. I mean, it's a powder keg waiting to happen. Uh, you know, Thank God cooler heads prevailed at Illinois-Iowa game. But, guys, doesn't Illinois-Iowa need that rivalry back? Yes. It's great to see that those two teams – or going at again like in the old days yeah. when we had the line of line and the straight teams of, of Tom Davis. It's good to see it back. I'm in. It was good to see it back, and that's how the regular season will end in Champaign for the Hawkeyes at the Illini. Well, tonight it is Purdue. It's a Purdue team that has been inconsistent this year, lost so much scoring with Carson Edwards moving on after last season, but they're going to get up in you. They're going to defend you. They're going to make it difficult. And now, after playing a lot of home games, back to the road again for Iowa. Not going to be easy tonight, it doesn't feel like. Well, Matthew Arena, if you talk to the old-timers, I've had some friends that played for Loot. They still talk about going to Mackey and how tough that is. The court's elevated. You sit below it on the bench. It's got that round ceiling. All the noise comes back at you. It's a difficult place mm. to play. So this is a tough one for the Hawks. When you look at Iowa on the road in the Big Ten, they're just one and four. That win at Northwestern, we know they're greatly improved, especially at the defensive end. They're going to be challenged here as they go on the road. Not only Purdue, Indiana, Minnesota. Those are three teams, three games they have to win because looking what's what's their last? They got to go to Missouri or excuse me, Michigan State. And we mentioned they finished up at Illinois. So uh, this is a tough test here for the Hawkeyes. And, guys, we've talked about this before. To win the road, you've got to get some points off your bench. They got zero against the Illini. And your freshmen can't play like freshmen. Uh, C.J. Frederick has played like an upperclassman. Joe Toussaint has to play well on these road games. 
for the Hawkeyes. Kevin, we got 45 seconds left before the music. Iowa State, they're 2-6 they're and six in conference. K-State comes in this weekend. They find themselves right there with K-State at the bottom. But how does Prome keep it? I mean, what, what's this team playing for? What's he telling this team, you know, to keep their heads up because you've still got what to play for? Well, I guess you're playing for a good seed in the Big 12 tournament at this point. You got Kansas State twice. But here's what I'm going to throw at you guys. I heard this stat the other day, and Trent, I know you're a stat guy. Mm-hmm. Since Johnny Orr left, no coach has stayed at Iowa State more than five years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes, it yeah. Does. So what you know, what is why what's driving this people away from this program? Is their expectations too high? Uh, I, I just don't understand that. Because you look at uh, Tim Floyd, Larry Stacy, Larry Morgan, McDermott, Fred Hoiberg. Mm-hmm. No one's lasted more than five years. Interesting. Kevin, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Kevin Lehman, appreciate it. All right, guys. Have a good one. Yep. Thanks. Good to talk to you. Washer Systems of Iowa. Well, you Stacey got in trouble, or he was, I don't think, headed out of town. You Floyd took a bigger so. job. Hoiberg scratched Same. an itch, and that was the NBA. Wayne Morgan was, well, <laughs> they settled for Wayne Morgan. There. We'll come back. 11 o'clock hours next. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM.